The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, it's Leah, and welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Just wanting to welcome the listeners from, obviously, Voice America Variety and our live streaming Project Freedom listeners as well. Some folks were looking for me on Facebook on my personal page and couldn't find me. Uh, You can find me now under Leah Brenda Smith, and uh, the radio page is Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Facebook, and emails Leah at ComeBackToYourSenses.com, and again, the website ComeBackToYourSenses.com. Today we're talking about parenting, an interview of parenting. There's certainly been lots out there in the world. There's lots that you can do. And we had our famous Spock from earlier generations that uh, uh, was really the authority for a long time on parenting. But as times change and people change and we evolve and spirit evolves and our needs change and it's not enough to just look after the basic needs anymore. So let's just review the uh, write-up, the show description for this week. And uh, I wrote that people often just that, uh, you know, they tease about that, you know, we we don't have a manual. Parenting doesn't come with a manual. And the dictionary says that parenting and child-rearing is a process of promoting and supporting the physical, emotional, social, and intellectual development of a child from infancy to adulthood. Well, I'd have to say my son is certainly still grateful that um, I'm still his parent in his adulthood, as I know we are also with our parents, even as we're older. Not everyone chooses to have children, yet every person has an influence on the child rearing of all the children in the community. Certainly being a good provider and ensuring for the health and safety of your children is very important. And, you know, Healthy, wholehearted doses of love and acceptance are also part of the parenting role. We have our personal ethics, and they have a strong influence on children. And we understand the importance of being good role models in the way we speak, in our actions, and in our interactions. Our children are always watching. The children of the world are always watching, always watching adults to see what's going on to try to figure out and piece together the world. You know, in the dictionary, it doesn't include the spiritual aspects of parenting and child-rearing. The basic vital needs 
of nurturing a child's sensibility and spirit are so important. So today I'm going to share with you some inner resources that are in yourself and in your children that can help you with this. And as we begin, I really encourage all of us to recognize that though not everyone has children, you still have an influence on the children that you interact with, be it your siblings, your nieces or nephews, children of your friends or your children of your co-workers, and all the children that you interact with and meet in the community as you go about your daily life. Just before we kind of jump into the subject, I just want to catch you up a little bit. I've kind of shared little bits uh, here and there in different uh, programs about my family background and just a, a couple of uh, minutes to give you an idea of really the background that I came from in terms of, yes, I am one of ten. I have five brothers and four sisters, and we all come from the same parents. And my early years were primarily under the influence of my mother and my siblings because my father worked, as he would like to say, a hundred hours a day. I've mentioned in a previous show that my mom died in an accident when I was 18. And after that time, my father and then later um, his second wife, my stepmother, the grandmother of all the grandchildren, uh, they were the parental influences in my adult life and then until my father passed away a few years ago. So growing up in a household with so many kids, I naturally fell in line, you know, after the older ones had left home and took my turn helping to raise my younger siblings. Most of my siblings are married or have been married and have their own children or have helped raise their spouse's children. One of my brothers has two grandchildren and I have an adult son, Avi, who you've heard me mention before, and I raised him as a single parent and was certainly blessed to receive great support from my extended family. You know, my, my blood relations and then also the close friends that I have um, uh, developed deep bonds with over the years. So today I'm going to share bits and pieces of some ideas that I've gleaned from others, but mostly it's my own perceptions. And I'm going to highlight a few situations that stand out from my own experience that I think really illustrate some of the things that I'm, I'm trying to share with you. As a young teenager in metaphysics, I was drawn to the teachings. I just loved Khalil Gibran, and specifically his book, The Prophet. I remember in junior high school, I would often read a passage out loud to my mom before I went off to school in the morning. And, you know, when I was preparing for the show, I was reflecting on realizing, you know, for all the years that I missed having my mom to share in my adult life, I certainly feel so blessed to realize how much living we managed to pack into 18 years. And I know that, that many of my siblings feel the same way, that even in the short time she was with us, we certainly packed a lot of experience into those, uh, into those years. Let's delve into our topic, an interview of parenting. And I want to start by reading a, a passage on children from Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. The teaching of this verse has been a solid foundation for me about the relationship to parenting, my relationship to my parents when I was a child, and then later my own kind of ideas and sense of parenting as an adult. So the verse goes like this. 
Your children are not your children. They are the sons and the daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not backwards, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrow may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. For, for me, this statement is so powerful and it gives the feeling of, of being more, being the custodian of my child, that we are the custodians of the children. They are with us, but they are not our possessions. Our children do not belong to us. They, they belong to part of life like all other living creatures, they're a marvelous gift of creation. You can love them, but do not expect them to think the way you think. Your children have their own private important thoughts and own private important things to do. You can take care of them, and know them, and nurture their souls, but their souls are independent of you. They do not belong to you. Your children should stand on the shoulders, the foundation that you create for them, and evolve beyond your accomplishments, not copy your accomplishments. After all, our children are not our clones of who we are. And although sometimes children have similar interests to their parents, we've all heard that saying, you know, music or cooking or gardening or singing runs in the family, but they're not clones of you. It's best to encourage your children to discover their true nature and their true interests, even if you don't understand them, even if you don't understand their interests or what prompts them to do what they do. I know I certainly felt like that. I was certainly a challenge to my parents in terms of the different types of things that I was interested in that were really uh, outside of what was sort of more common for uh, the family. 
and sometimes that makes it more challenging. It feels like it's a little more difficult to relate if uh, one of the children's personality or character is a little different or they don't seem to be interested in the same things that the rest of the family is interested in. The pioneers, the ones moving forward into uncharted territory. And then, you know, as they grow, then like the mother bird, we have to encourage our children to go out of the nest and explore the world outside of, outside of our influence. Clearly, you cannot protect your children from the world any more than your parents could protect you from the world. However, it is important to educate your children about the world and prepare them to navigate so that they can be user-friendly, user-friendly in the world and be able to move through the world with ease. You know, to understand parenting from the inside out, it's essential to understand yourself. Having a clear conscience about your own experience is certainly helpful, yet not mandatory. People parent without that all the time. Now, it's common to have things from your past that are unresolved, we all know how to do that. Now, maybe you feel affected in some way by the past and need to attend to your own experience with your parents. Or perhaps you're just able to put those things aside and keep going. We're all a little different that way. So it's important that you take care of whatever your internal needs are and maintain your own internal health in terms of your own connection with yourself and your spirit for the optimum in terms of what it is you're able to share with your children. You know, we're all affected by our past programming and the conditions that were present in the home that we grew up in. And people call that our family of origin or our histrionics. Maybe you have wonderful memories of childhood and the time you spent with your family that you cherish and recall with warmth and affection. I certainly have that. And maybe you have experiences from your childhood that you would rather not even think about again. And I certainly have that too. It's likely that you're not exempt. And like me, you have experienced both the pleasant and the unpleasant of what's available in human experience from the time you were born right up till now. It's natural, it's a natural part of evolution for parents. You know, we weigh the scales of the positive influences from our childhood with the negative influences from childhood, and we use that as a gauge, you know, for how you will parent your children or for the ways that you interact with and love and support other children in your life. Now, in the initial stages of life, infants need to be showered with love and affection. Remember, you know, James Taylor's song, shower the people you love with love and show them the way that you feel. Such profound truth in a brilliant song lyric. You know, infants need attention. They need a gentle voice, a tender touch, a patient and authentic caregiver. Kindness, loving kindness, the basic, simple, it's as important as breathing. It is important as the food and the clothing on your back. Loving kindness. I know for myself there had been many times throughout the process of raising my son, which is natural, where I would 
reflect and realize that I was feeling taunt or tight in myself and wasn't really being flow, free flowing with my son. And, and I would ask myself, is this the energy that I want to share with my son? And that helped me, that practice of being mindful or uh, being aware of what was going on inside of me helped me then to be able to say, well, of course not. Our loving kindness is the way. Love is the way. I remember um, some weeks back, I um, went to an event where the Dalai Lama was, and he emphasized the necessity for parents to give infants and young children the most love and affection possible. And he impressed upon us that this energy from the parents in those early stages of life really plant the seeds of compassion in the child. And not only that, but this energy is associated directly with the primary development of a healthy brain. Hmm. I imagine that maybe we hadn't thought about that before, but that love and affection makes for a healthy brain. Now, I've been really surprised in the last 20 years or so, I've come across many situations where swaddling newborns seems to be a lost art. Parents just don't have a clue about it and are not in the practice of it. And really, it's so important to recognize that when a baby's born, that they've just spent the last nine months in a totally safe, warm, and protected environment, a stable environment a consistent, countable environment. And wrapping your baby in a receiving blanket, it's all about safety and security and warmth. And it makes a perfect bundle for holding an infant close and secure and safe. You know, preventing the arms and legs from dangling and the, from the head from wobbling. So swaddling is a great transition from the womb to the complexities of all the bombardment of sensations in the outer world. So I'd like to resurrect that lost art. And we should be swaddling the babies and showering them with loving kindness. You know, your child is a work in progress, and so are you. And I remember my first experiences of being with my son and an important, a really important perspective that came to me. When I first started breastfeeding, you know, naturally it was all new and I was nervous. You know, we all want to do it right. And and then I recalled in my mind that, oh, I get it. This is a new experience for me. This is a new experience for my son. And I continued to view things in that way and realized and said to myself, Hey, Leah, it's okay. This is your first day as a mom, and it's his first day as a newborn in the world. So there was a sense then of we were starting on even ground, and we could learn together one day at a time. I certainly felt confident that although it was my first day as a mom, I would always be able to draw on my experience of the first 26 years of my life to help us along the journey. Transformational author and energy healer Carolyn Mace mentions that love and affection 
the love and affection that children receive in those early, early years helps to seal the energy of the chakras. We spoke about that in a previous show about the energy centers in the body. But it helps to seal the energy of the chakras and create a natural protection for our energy field and the influences of all the energies around us. You could think of this like like the layers of energy that protect our energy field. Think of it in the same way as you would think of skin that protects your body. So again, the importance of love and affection, love and affection, kindness, loving kindness. So it is true. We all know there is no manual. Yet there are many clues that are present in every moment that can help you to respond, to respond openly and to take a supportive approach in assisting your children to grow and develop, to grow and develop naturally from the inside out, from their inner being. These are the spiritual needs and sensitivities and sensibilities that I'm referring to to help your child to develop from the inside out. Now, you and I are well aware of what can happen when you don't feel free to follow your own flow. From time to time, you've made choices in your life based on what others think you should do or think you should be or think you should be interested in. We've all tried that. And, you know, in schools, other than a section on perhaps the five senses in primary school and they get a section on body health and nutrition during adolescence, but really the education systems don't include information about who we are as human beings. And in most cases, there's little or no emphasis on our sensitivities and our sensibilities. This isn't taught in the regular curriculum, not yet. And the Dalai Lama spoke about that also, the importance of teaching about who we are as human beings and as spiritual beings, the importance of including that in the school curriculum. So in the meantime, it becomes even more critical for parents to teach to teach your children about such things and to participate in that movement and that evolution towards being conscious beings on the earth. You know, the common experience of living is not so common anymore. And in some situations, the degrees of separation from the mind and the heart can be a huge, wide landscape or gap. And in a recent event I attended with uh, transformational author and speaker Greg Braden, he commented that the longest journey in life is about 18 inches Yes, that's right, just 18 inches. He says it's the journey from the mind to the heart. I think oftentimes we have the equation turned around the other way. We look in our mind for our truth and uh, then think that we'll inform our heart once we figure it out in our mind. But it actually works the way that your truth is written in your heart and then your heart informs your mind and your mind helps you to put your truth in action into the outer world. Now as parents, when we're balanced within ourselves, we're able to be present and open with our children. When we're out of balance, 
well, we'll likely be very directive and not really see or hear our children at all. I know you know the familiar scenario of barking orders. We've all been there. We all do it from time to time. And likely this is especially true in the mornings when you're on deadline to get out the door or other times when you're tired and perhaps just need to take a little break before proceeding forward. And I know if you looked on the faces of your children, you would know that they don't like it any more than you liked it when your parents barked orders at you. Have an idea, you know. If you talk to your children about it and said, hey, you know, I don't like doing this in the morning. You know, I know we're all rushed and da-da-da-da. But there's, you know, a list of things we have to get done and maybe you could just make the list for them. And so then in the morning when things are a little harried, you could say, hey kids, did you check your list? Did you have everything together that you need? It's a way of trying to get them involved in the process. You know, we, we're so accustomed to the whole idea of custodial care and doing everything and taking care of everything and not including our children in the process of these life skills and things of daily life that Sometimes we forget to, to uh, we, we're not aware of knowing that it is through these experiences of being involved and participating in the activities of daily life that children actually build their self-esteem and their confidence and their knowing that they're able to do things and even the notion of being able to help out and help one another. You know, when my son was three years old, I moved back to Ottawa after living in Vancouver for eight years. He was actually born in um, in Vancouver, so I left home as a teenager and then came back at 26 with a with a three-year-old, which was certainly a big adjustment for me and I imagine for my family as well. But I was adjusting to the change and a little on edge and impatient and struggling with it some and sometimes when my son would ask me something I noticed that I was just reacting like a reflex response and I knew it wasn't about him I knew that he wasn't doing anything wrong or he wasn't you know he was (laughs) he was fine but still I was reacting and I really had to implement you know the practice of mindfulness and and watch in the moment when I would react so I could understand what was going on. And certainly I felt blessed that I had a practice of mindfulness that, that I knew enough to be able to watch that I could that I could identify by watching. And I would say, as the saying goes, Eureka, it worked like a charm. I discovered the source. I discovered the source of my irritation. I was so taken up with my inner process that when he called out to me or when he wanted something, I I was experiencing it as an interruption, that he was interrupting my internal process because I was so busy inside just trying to catch up and be present and adjust to the changes in my life. And what a relief it was for me to finally understand what was going on, to finally understand the source of the problem. So I was able to make the necessary adjustment. And then the next time when a similar situation came up, then I was able to explain to him that I was happy that we were together, and but would he mind to play quietly beside me for a while and not ask me any questions because I was busy thinking inside about something. 
I assured him that in a little while we could do something together. And he was happy with that. And I was so happy with that. I was so grateful for the inside and for an easy solution so that we could both get what it is that we wanted and needed. You know, a little insight can go a long way. You know, a little later, I realized that I was also modeling something very important. By example, I was teaching my son that it's okay to ask people around you for support and to, to speak up for what it is that you need. And then in later years, when my son was going through things inside of himself, he was able then to speak up and let me know that he was happy to be together, but that he preferred if we didn't talk, as he was busy tending to things inside of himself. We're all living, breathing entities that need space. We need freedom and flexibility to grow and to thrive in our environment. This is true of parents and this is true of children. And my early example shows that it's not all about your kids. And it's not all about you. It's about coming up with real solutions to everyday occurrences that work for everybody. And the way that we can do that is from a little bit of self-reflection and a little bit of inquiry on the part of your children. And you come together with the best case scenario that's going to work for everybody rather than making a decision and implementing something without consulting and without speaking about it and explaining and helping your children understand. I noticed that the usual approach to parenting is to begin with full restrictions on your child and then to let go of the restrictions one at a time as your child earns your trust or shows you a certain level of maturity or Sometimes they just simply outgrow the restrictions. I don't know, in my approach, in my experience, I took the opposite approach. Instinctively, I didn't see the need to place full restrictions on my son, but rather to put a restriction in only when there seemed to be a need for one. I heard a great story yesterday about the perceptions of a young child as she watched her mom interact with her grandfather. Now, the mother was asking the grandfather where he, when he was going to leave the house to go do an errand. And the grandfather said they didn't know exactly what time he was going to leave, that he would leave when he was ready. And, you know, she pressed him a little bit, and he kept giving the same answer. And this went on for a few minutes then until the mother left. And once the mother left, the child looked at the grandfather quizzically and mentioned something like, why does mummy rush you? And the grandfather said that he didn't know why. And then the child replied with something like, mummy rushes me too, and I don't like it. Mummy rushes me too, and I don't like it. <laughs> I wonder if the child knows that mummy doesn't like to rush either. <laughs> You know, in some ways, children appear to be the wisest they'll ever be when they're very young. Surely you've noticed how wise youngsters can be. You hear your children saying things that are clear and profound and direct and to the point. 
and often exactly what you needed to hear at the time, even though you may not have realized you needed to hear it. But there they are, as they say, out of the mouths of babes. I remember a show that I used to watch when I was a, a youngster uh, called, uh, um, oh, it was by Art Blinkletter, and it was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And Art would interview kids. He'd ask them simple questions about life or about their experiences at school or their family. Or sometimes he would like ask them a simple word, well, ask them a word, just a one word and say, uh, government, what does government mean? And the, and the child would give, give the answer. Now, the show was certainly hilarious. And in a beautiful way, it was very uplifting and very refreshing. And, you know, children like the children that he was interviewing on his show that are forthright and clear and articulate are often considered precocious. We say, oh, that's a precocious child. Well, if you look at the meaning, it actually means an unusually advanced and mature in their development, especially their mental development. And they exhibit mature qualities at a very young age. And they're articulate and smart and quick-minded and often quick-witted. Children, when they are young, are clear, free beings. They've arrived fresh from the source of creation, and they're highly advanced in their awareness. This is a very precious time, a precious time before conditioning and before learning to fit into the unspoken norms and implied values of society. So I really encourage you, encourage you to encourage your children. Support your children to maintain those natural tendencies towards being a free thinker and coming up with innovative ideas and, as they say, thinking outside of the box. Children are so in the moment, alive and fresh and raring to go, go, go. They're naturally curious about the world around them all the time. And when a parent or an adult is constantly telling the child no or don't do that or be careful, it's certainly well-meaning, yet it interrupts the child's flow of discovery and development. Your child's always giving you the information that you need. That may be written on their face, their body language, the tone in their voice, the look in their eye. All of this is vital communication that's coming from the conditions of their thoughts and their feelings and all the things that may be moving inside of them. You know from your own experience of being an adult that, well, you're not always able to speak about what's going on with you. And perhaps you're blessed with a partner and or friends that give you the time and the space that you need to be with what's moving through you until you're able to speak about it. Or maybe you're blessed with a spouse or friends that will drag it out of you with a no-nonsense attitude. You know, one that's like nobody's getting any sleep around here until you spill the beans. In one of my past relationships, I was so appreciative when my partner would acknowledge when I was obviously struggling to communicate about something. Gently, I would hear, it's okay, Leah, take your time. The words, the words will come when they're ready. I can't tell you how, how deeply I just felt so loved and cared for in that one simple gesture. The loving response from my partner 
showed their sensitivity and the ability to read the signs that were there in my tone of voice and my body posture, the look on my face and the look in my eye. But unfortunately, there's no job description or manual for parenting. Yet it's clearly, clearly an act of service and a privilege in the highest meaning of the word. When you choose to parent children, you're raising the next generation that grows into the adults who share their wisdom and expertise with our ever-evolving world. And with that comes the opportunity to clear the unhealthy influences from the family lineage and pave a, a better way for the future. Now, I spoke earlier about that weighing the balance. You look at the things that happened in your past with your family, and if they were good, positive things that came with a good outcome, you implement them. If they didn't have a good outcome, you go, okay, great, so i got to do this differently and help clear clear the generations, clear the, the imbalances from the family. I love that saying, you know, that it takes a village to raise a child. Often the parents are the primary influence in a child's life and are ultimately responsible for them. Yet it's a collective of individuals that contribute to the well-being and development of every child, everyone and everything. And the many varied environments that a child frequences, they have an impact on the child's inner and outer experience. It came across this, uh, this morning, it's a quote by Abraham Hicks that's so fitting for the conversation. And Abraham says, relative to our children, or any children with whom we would interact, our one dominant intention would be to give them a conscious understanding of how powerful and important and valuable and perfect they are. Every word that would come out of our mouths would be a word that would be offered with the desire to help this individual, to help them know that they are powerful, it would be a word of empowerment. We would set the tone for upliftment and understanding that everything will gravitate to that tone if we would maintain it consistently. Consistently. Love, affection, kindness, affirming your children, accepting your children, respecting your children, listening to your children, in the quote with Abraham, you know, he's encouraging us to recognize the importance of nurturing the child's soul and their worthiness, acknowledging that their life's important and that they have a purpose and a reason for being alive and that it's not about the parents assigning and telling the children what that purpose is, but nurturing the child's sensibilities and spirit and providing a safe and healthy environment for them so that they can discover the truth of who they are and then they can inform you, this is who I am. <laughs> I've been blessed to experience many special moments with children you know, that I just come across in my daily life. Here's a quick example. A few days ago, I was going to the convenience store to buy a stamp and then I discovered they don't sell stamps at that store. However, when I came out of the store, I saw a young girl she was maybe four or five, and she's sitting in the driver's seat of this big, huge pickup truck that was parked at the gas pump. And her mom was there, sitting beside her in the passenger seat. I smiled at the child and mimicked the sign of holding onto the steering wheel and looked at her with this excited expression of her behind the wheel as if she's driving this big truck. 
Well, she lit up with a big smile and laughed and turned to her mom, who was beaming back at her. And then the three of us, we really shared a perfect moment of delight. I have a lifetime full of stories that are similar to this one of encounters with children that I've met everywhere I go. There's so much that you can share with little people through eye contact, facial expressions, hand gestures, and sounds. They love sounds and when you mimic their sounds. These little exchanges, however fleeting they are, they do have an impact that brings joy and delight for everyone that's privy to the interaction. Simple little gestures of acknowledging the child and letting them know that you see them and affirming that they are very special little beings. Later, I'm not sure if it was the same day or the next day, I witnessed an all too familiar encounter with a little boy and his parents in the elevator. I could hear the boy in an uproar before the elevator even reached my floor. He's complaining about not wanting to leave. I stepped onto the elevator and he carried on with his complaints. The parents and the child were in a tussle. He's arguing, saying he doesn't want to leave his grandmother's place, and the parents are anxious and embarrassed because he's making a scene in the elevator. They tell him to be quiet. He complains. And the more he complains, the father says, wait till I get you home. And the child mimics the father's voice and in defiance says, you can't make me leave. Anyway, you get the picture. And you've no doubt encountered similar situations, maybe with your own children or certainly with others out in the community. This young boy was obviously having a problem. He was having a problem making the transition. He didn't want to leave the enjoyment he was having at his grandmother's. It was clear that his parents missed the opportunity to help him with the transition before they left the grandmother's apartment. And because the child's needs were not being met, as we were descending in the elevator, he was escalating into a tantrum. Listen to your kids. Acknowledge that you know Acknowledge that you know that the boy doesn't want to leave. Tell him you're sorry that you have to go and that you're glad that he enjoys his time at his grandmother's and that you'll bring him back as soon as you can. Children need to know that you're on their side and that you care about what they're thinking, feeling and saying. They need to know that they matter and that what they want matters to you. I think often what happens with parents is we get caught in our own agenda that oftentimes we're not even informing the children about what the agenda is. So then, you know, we spring something on like, oh, it's time to go, as an example, the example from here. And then the children aren't very happy about that because they didn't have that time to really, they didn't know the agenda. So it's like, what? What? I'm just getting into this. Now, from my early years of growing up with so many kids, I certainly saw my fair share of disgruntled behavior and uproars and, you know, things just erupting and seeming out of nowhere. So I took it upon myself to conduct my own little research, and I was fascinated to discover how things could be calm one moment and everybody getting along, and then all of a sudden, chaos. So I became highly tuned to the changes in the energy. I started to notice the first hints of unrest. Someone's voice gets a little louder, Two people don't see eye to eye, could be over a card game, TV show, a toy. Someone gets up and someone else takes their chair. I know you're all familiar with what I'm talking about. It could be anything or it could be nothing at all. 
I've heard others suggest that the best approach is to let siblings figure it out for themselves, and for the most part, I agree with that. But I also think that it's very important to teach children about interpersonal dynamics and cause and effects of behavior. And then they're in a better position to make clear choices about how they really want to respond in a situation. When you talk to your children about human behavior, you're teaching them important skills that they need in order to get along with others in the world. Now, as a parent, there's inner resources that I've called upon to help me that I encourage you to try. So one of them is recalling my own experiences as with my parents and then adjusting what worked well and what didn't work well. Another powerful thing for myself was when I would recall what was I thinking and what was I feeling and what was I wanting when I was the age that my child is at whatever point in their life. The other thing was really understanding the importance of separating my needs from my children's needs and not to try to fulfill my needs through my child. I'm an adult with adult needs, they're children with children's needs, and they're separate things. That even though we're playful and we can be playful and I can be childlike and play in a childlike way, that I am still the adult. And oftentimes I've seen and we've all seen sometimes adults acting like children and the children are parenting the adults, parenting the parents. We want our children to be children. Just let them be kids. <laughs> the other thing is going with my gut instincts and trusting this inner guidance. Also very potent, very powerful. And then there's always resources coming from your child that you can watch for and rely on. Really important. You have to listen, listen, listen. Listen to your child. Your child is the authority on who they are. You're not the authority on who your child is because you're their parent. They are their own authority on who they are. Just as you are the authority of who you are and not your parent. Your parents, not the authority on who you are and you're not the authority on who your children is. So watch for the changes in your child's mood and in your child's interests. And watch their behavior. Remember, the behavior is always communicating something. But these are little signs and little things that you can watch for that can help you. That can help you know how to make decisions in times where there's transition or where things are going along that are a little unusual or where you're feeling challenged by something that's going on with your child. You know, when your child is 12 years old and wanting to do something and you think, oh my God, they're too young to be wanting to do that. Sometimes it can help if you remember who you were when you were 12 and what did you want to do. It's important to be honest. If your children are able to ask you a direct question about something, then they're mature enough to receive the truth as an answer. Not an adult answer, but an answer that matches the maturity of the child, but is still the truth and not some fictitious story. Be honest about your challenges and about your strengths and your weaknesses. Your child senses and knows things about you from living with you. So when you hide the truth of who you are from your children, you come across as being incongruent. 
So it's okay. In fact, it's essential for your children to know and experience you as a real human being and not some storybook mommy or daddy. The real you. Like when a fish dies and you, you know, if you're, I've heard of stories that someone will go to the store and replace the first fish thinking that the child won't notice. And then you, or they might say, well, we took Bernie to the fish hospital and they gave us another fish while Bernie gets better. Or some other kind of story. But tell the truth. And in these situations, it's a good opportunity to introduce the idea that all living things die. Let your kids know. Let your kids know that if they hang out with kids that do bad things, sooner or later, they will either have to get new friends or they'll likely start joining in and doing the bad things that other kids are doing. Talk to your kids about it. I tried my best, you know, throughout the process of raising Avi to encourage him to share his wisdom so that we can combine our good energies and ideas and come up with the best suitable plan for both of us. Now, Avi had a few friends uh, that came from single parent families just like ours, and but most of his friends were raised with two parents. His friends were from all different economic backgrounds, cultures, religions, and covered a wide range of parenting styles. But I was surprised and curious to discover that when my son got together with his friends who came from all these different backgrounds, they all did the same things. And when he walked in the room, you'd not be able to determine which child came from which family. Some parents are strict with bedtimes and curfews and grounding and other forms of punishment. And others are more flexible around things like time, yet encourage strong family values and respect. And others just can't handle it and they throw their kids out of the house. And throughout my son's teenage years, he had a couch in his room that several friends slept on from time to time. The friends stayed with us, you know, until they could figure out what was going on inside of them or mend the difficulties with their parents. Or sometimes uh, they would stay with us until they could move out with friends or go out on their own. Now, some parents, you know, they were insisting on telling their child what to think and what to say and what to do, how they should feel, what vocation that they should choose to pursue. It's a natural instinct for parents to want to protect their children from the world. However, the real responsibility of a parent is to help children to cultivate the skills they need to navigate in the world. Now, when my son was um, 16 years old, he was obviously troubled about something, and I kept asking him, you know, and he would initially brush me off and say nothing, and I'd wait for a day, maybe two, and ask him again, and, and he said that he preferred not to talk about it, and I told him it was okay, that if he didn't want to talk about it, it was fine. And I suggested um, after a few more days, and he was still in that state, that maybe he could talk to a counselor at school. And he said no, it was something he needed to figure it out for himself. And then after a day or two, I asked again, honey, what's bothering you? He didn't want to talk about it. Again, I let him know it was okay if he didn't want to talk about it. I told him that I could help him find someone that he could talk to if he wanted. Again, he assured me that it was something he needed to figure out. Then a few more days went by, and then we were out one night walking for a late night walk, and he just casually started talking and telling me all about what had been bothering him. And it's useful to mention that, you know, the difficulty that he was having was totally subjective. It wasn't based on something that happened, but based entirely on a line of thinking that was going on and kept going round and round in his head. 
and it wasn't based on anything that he had done or any outside influence, but his own perception of himself that he associated as being the same as something that he perceived about his dad, which is not so uncommon for a young man at his age grappling with the reflection of the father. But I assured my son that we all have characteristics that are similar in ways to our mother and our father, but that he was free to be inspired by the positive attributes that he picked up from his dad and free to notice the not-so-positive influences and make choices for himself to move in a positive direction with those things. Clearly, my son is his own man. And, you know, we've talked about it, and I asked him what finally prompted him to tell me what was bothering him, and he just simply said, well, you kept asking me, and that was the end of it. But notice that I didn't keep asking. I didn't try to coax it out of him. I didn't try to make it about me and say, I'm your mother, why won't you tell me? I didn't try to negotiate or blackmail him into telling me or give him a guilt trip. I just simply let him know that I was there and that I cared and that I was willing to help him find the solution. And I respected his wishes not to talk about it and to try to work it out on his own. You know, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to help them learn ways to be able to manage their own energy because they're going to have that energy for their whole life. Find ways to articulate the positive aspects of their personality and to cultivate compassion and patience for the things that are more challenging. Whatever the fluctuation and the flow is of your child's energy, their mood swings, their tendencies, maybe they're introverted or extroverted. They could be a shy introvert and need encouragement to loosen up and mix and mingle a little with others. Or maybe they're the type of in-your-face extrovert and Maybe they need a little encouragement to sit back a little sometimes and allow opportunities for others to lead the way. Most most people are somewhere in the in the in between and do a dance with both aspects, you know, of the spectrum, you know, depending on their mood or the situation that they're involved with. Human beings are not static, and because you like something one day doesn't mean you'll have to like it every day. As we grow and evolve, so do our tastes and our interests and our pursuits. It's very important to support as parents to go with the flow of the changes that will naturally occur within your children. They need the space and the opportunity to explore the world, to explore themselves, and to combine their energies and figure out who it is they are in relation to the bigger picture and what it is that they're prompted inside. It's natural your children want to follow their peers, and just as you and I tend to check out the interest of our peers. But the important point is to ensure that your children are, are generally interested in what their peers are doing. Let them try it out for a while to determine if a shared interest of your child would glean more enjoyment and connection. Maybe they'd like a different activity. Listening to your children, trying to understand what's going on with them from the inside out is a very valuable approach. And even though your children may not always be able to articulate what they're feeling or what's going on, or you'll be able to tell by their energy output. And with practice, you can become accustomed to looking for and reading the signs in your children, in your parents or in your spouse or even in yourself. Because whoever you are and whoever your family members are, you're all in it together. Each person in the family plays a significant role in shaping the individual members within the family. 
and each one is dedicated on a soul level to helping the other one out with the goals that you each have come to achieve. It all starts with you and your willingness to open, open the flow of this wisdom into you. Discover the wisdom that's prompted you to choose the family that you've chosen to accompany you through your life. Listen and watch for the signs and signals. They're coming from your child all the time. The information and the wisdom you're looking for to help them is there. Tell your children your story. Be responsible for managing your own energy and let your child show and tell you who they are. Pay attention when they're talking to you. Remember that you were like them as a child. Remember what you were like and that can help you. Parenting is an inside job and it's important to be mindful of all these fluctuations and flows in your own energy and be honest about it with your children. I promise in the long run, they'll thank you for your love and support and honesty. And although vacations and fancy clothes and gadgets are pleasure, pleasure to have and pleasant, long after they've outgrown all these things, they'll thank you for your patience and your understanding, your respect and your love and your honesty and your kindness. Be kind, be kind, be kind, loving kindness. It's been a pleasure sharing with you today about parenting and oh, the time goes by so quickly. This is your ever grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith, and you have been listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Network. So until next week. I hope you can take some of these tips and incorporate them into your life and reflect on this and help your children to grow and be happy and healthy. And in the meantime, let's all relax and enjoy life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.